Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. This is Pete Vecchi, one of the associate pastors at West Carrollton Church of the Nazarene, and I want to welcome you to today's episode of Reconciling Grace. Joining me today are Mick Wells. Mick is one of the co-hosts of the Cross Connection Radio Ministry. He has been part of Wells of Salvation Ministries since 1980. And Steve Wilson, who was born in 1980, is our other guest. He's not a guest. He's a regular here on our, on our panel. Um, Steve is a master's degree holder from United Theological Seminary. He is a freelance writer, according to his Facebook page. He also has programmed computer games, Christian computer games. And uh, Steve is just kind of your all-around Renaissance man there. Mm -hmm. And Steve is going to be the one leading our discussion today. And let me tell you, the church is always talking about money, isn't it? (laughs) So if you don't want to hear talk about money today, you can just go ahead and Turn your radio off. Isn't there a song like that? Turn your radio off. No, that no, was on. I think it's the other way around. <laughs> right. But seriously, uh, this is an important subject that we're going to be sharing with today. And the, the name of the topic, I guess, the best way to put it is how to be a giving Christian. So, Steve, why don't you let us know how to be a giving Christian? <laughs> so uh, we are talking about money, and uh, I promise we're not asking for money. We're just going to talk about it a little bit. So uh, it's one thing that I've been really thinking about over the last few weeks, my Sunday school class at church uh, has been reading a book called Crazy Love by Francis, Francis Chan. And, uh, well, it, it is kind of a crazy book. It's, it's very challenging. Everyone in our class has been uh, disturbed in a good way, I suppose, and, and really thinking about, well, what does it mean to love God? What does it mean to answer God's crazy love toward us with crazy Lord love toward him and other people. Mm-hmm. And and one of the things that well, he talks about, well, how do, how do we love God in our decisions? How do we love God uh, in the time that we spend with him? And, and one of the things that uh, a very practical issue is how do we love God with our money? How do we love God in our giving? And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. And if... Uh, you know, if anything challenges you, you can blame Francis Chan, because <laughs> this is uh, this is where I'm getting this from. Well, let's start with uh, reading a scripture, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 11. Okay, the, the Word of God says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity 
will result in thanksgiving to God. Okay. So that verse starts by saying, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. It says each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. Now, my question's there. Well, okay, how do I decide in my heart what to give? How do I make that decision? Uh, you know, there's a lot of possibilities. And how do I make sure I'm not sowing sparingly? How do I make sure I'm sowing generously? What do you guys think? I think you'd have to start with um, what does the Bible say? Now, I know that uh, before we even started uh, recording our program today, we, we touched on the topic of tithing. And um, I think that many of us here agree, and I think we might lose half of our audience here, that uh, that tithing is not necessarily a New Testament mandate. I think we all agree on that right here in, in this room. Um, it's an Old Testament mandate, just like the Old Testament mandates um, of the Ten Commandments are. That was an old covenant. There is a new covenant, and Paul has said that uh, he died to the law. He said that in in Galatians. Um, He said that in other places where he wrote. But the bottom line is that doesn't mean we necessarily forsake all that. We can use the law as guidelines, as principles to show what does God like. And so I've always thought that tithing has been an example of this is a great principle to follow at least at first. So I would start with tithing. I would say that God generally likes it when we tithe. Now, sometimes tithing is going to be a lot harder for one person than another person. If a person is living on a uh, minimum wage check, if a person is living on a social security check and, and can barely get by, that 10% is going to be a whole lot different than the person who earns a uh, seven-figure income every year because it's just going to be harder to do without that 10% than it will be for the person who has the seven-figure income. Yet, study after study shows that it is those who have less who tend to give a higher percentage. So I hope I didn't get off on a rabbit trail there, Steve, but... Um, oh, that's fine. We, so. Yeah, we'd start. I say we start with tithing as a way to look at it, but then we need to get into more. And I, I let somebody else go from here, though. Okay. Well, I think that uh, if you tie tithing into this scripture, and uh, the scripture says each of you should give whatever you've decided in your heart to give, we have that uh, example from the Old Testament law, and perhaps the Holy Spirit would impress upon you that um, 10% or a lot more, I mean, not not to make it uh, legalistic or anything right. like that, but it just kind of as a reference point, uh, perhaps that's the case. And I agree with what you were saying, uh, Pete, The uh, in terms of a, a percentage approach to things, I was thinking the person that makes $10,000 a month and the person who receives $1,000 a month still goes into McDonald's and pays a buck for the same hamburger. Mm-hmm. Only one of them's got a lot left over. And one of them probably doesn't go to McDonald's very often. Well, <laughs> yeah, it probably owns it, actually. But um, 
Yeah, I think our circumstances are going to be different. Uh, certainly, the Holy Spirit knows what we have, what we're capable of giving, and would would lead us, I believe, to give an, an appropriate amount. And it, it's a tough question right off the bat because none of us wanders around with these figures or percentages in our head. I think we constantly have to be impressed that somebody's in need, needs some help. How much do we give? Uh, to whom? And is is our gift administered by us or through other people? Right. You know, when you're talking about people in need overseas, it's pretty hard uh, to mail rice or wheat over across the other side of the world. Right. You know, so I think there are a lot of dynamics in play when we look to the Holy Spirit within us and try to decide what God wants us to do mm-hmm. with what he's given us. Okay, well, I like that you both kind of mentioned that the tithing is a, a baseline, a reference point, and then maybe there's a scale there. Mm-hmm. You know, some people are going to give less than 10%. Some people are, are going to give more. Uh, but I, I do think as, as people are kind of deciding, well, what do I give? Uh, that tithe can be a good starting point for their decision-making. Let's go ahead and read another verse and uh, just a kind of a foreshadowing. I'm going to share how I came up with uh, what to give in my heart uh, as we go along. But first, uh, let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. They gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. What, did, what does that say to you? I had two questions on that. First of all, it's a whole different era and economy, and are we talking money here? Was the gift given um, to the Macedonian churches, was it money or was it something else? And my second question is, the scripture says they gave beyond their ability. Now, in my feeble mind, I don't even know how that's possible. (laughs) To me, that's a contradiction. So... You know, I just throw that out there for, for thought. What is the ability? I mean, here we are. I'll, I'll, I'll equate it to our American 21st century. Maybe they took out a loan for money they didn't have somehow. And I mean, again, if you don't have collateral, I don't know how you do that. But maybe they went into debt to to help somebody else out. That I, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's not really a way to, to say it in that way. But I, I understand what you're asking, Mick. So... Let me give some background real quick. So I believe that this offering was monetary. Um, Paul and some of the uh, disciples of him were traveling around, collecting money from the churches, and they were going to take that money to Jerusalem. Uh, There was a famine in that area, and so they were taking this money to feed the people who were there. Now, since they couldn't transport food that long way, Uh, It would have had to be money that they would take to Jerusalem and then buy the food that was there. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Uh, As far as ability goes, I think this is talking about their sacrificial giving. Uh, 
maybe, you know, well, normally I would have enough food to eat and then I would give you the money that I have left over. Um, maybe they were saying, you know what, I'm going to skip a couple meals so that the folks in Jerusalem can have enough to eat. And so that would be beyond their normal ability to give. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the way I picture it. That makes sense um, because, as I say, my mind works a little bit like like Mick's did. Is a I have that feeble mind as well, Mick, that uh, says, "How do you give beyond what you can do?" I mean, I've I've heard uh, coaches say before, "Give a hundred and ten percent." It's like, well, how do you do that if a hundred percent is all that I have? How can you give a hundred and ten percent? But yet, you know, if you're talking strictly mathematics, if you have a hundred dollars, and and uh, you say, "But I want to give a hundred and ten dollars." I might borrow that extra $10 from you, Mick, and say, here, here's $110. So mathematically, it, it works out. And uh, I want this uh, this program to work out well. And so in order to do that, I think we need to take a quick break here. And uh, we're going to get back with our talk about how, how to be a giving Christian right after we uh, hear from our sponsor. And we're back with Reconciling Grace. This is Pete Vecchi being joined by Mick Wells and Steve Wilson. And really, I don't stutter quite as much as I did coming into that break as I am coming out of the break now. Um, But Steve, you've been talking about uh, how to be a giving Christian, and we were just talking a little bit about giving beyond our ability. And so what's next for us here? So we're going to ask the question, okay, well, we've ask the question how do we decide what to give we've talked about you know the fact that some people give more than others well now we kind of need to ask the question well what is our goal in giving why do we give and uh, i think one of those answers of course is what we do it to honor god we we do it to show uh, god's ownership over everything Uh, but i think there's there's something more than that too i'm going to read second corinthians Chapter 8, verses 13 to 15. says, Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. As it is written, The one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. And the, the part that struck me there, and maybe I've never uh, really read this sentence, you know, in all my times reading the Bible, because it struck me as new this time. So the goal is equality. Not that they have too little, or not that you have too little, not that they have too much, but that you have equality. And so my question is, well, what sense... Of equality in what sense are we to be equal with other people my first thought would be that um, I don't think that God wants anybody to be in dire need I don't think God wants anybody to be starving to death I don't think that God wants people to be ill-clad ill-housed um, I think I heard you say the the words earlier wants them to have clean drinking water things like that. We need our basic necessities. Um, And I believe in that everybody is equal. But 
that doesn't necessarily mean that each person is going to have the exact same amount of money. Does that make sense to you? Mm-hmm. I would agree um, with that. I think equal in terms of of having our needs met. I believe there's a, I'm not sure where it is in the scripture, but one comes to mind that says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. God, God doesn't want us to be in such poverty that we send our kids out, you know, asking for food and things like that. I believe that there's responsibility um, among Christians to help uh, others in need, just as uh, the Macedonian uh, church had helped the people, the poor people in Jerusalem, as it says in Romans. And the Macedonians weren't necessarily a rich people. That was the other thing about it. Um, Even though they were not that well off themselves, they were willing to give sacrificially, and their goal wasn't, and I think Steve, you and I, and Mick talked a little bit about this during the break, their goal wasn't, you know, to say, okay, let's give this much so that God will bless us that much more. It was a matter of they were giving out of their desire to honor God, their desire to love God and love other people. Right. And so this book that I talked about, uh, Crazy Love by Francis Chan, he's saying, well, you know, we in America, we have an incredible opportunity because we have all of our necessities. Even the poorest people in America have the opportunity to have all of their necessities met. And then beyond that, we have so much more that we can give. Uh, We give as Americans a lot of times because we can afford it. It doesn't hurt us, right? But the Macedonians were giving until it hurt. And and that's kind of where where this book uh, took me, is how do I love God and how do I love other people with my money so much that it starts to hurt. And in order to, to achieve that equality that we're talking about, those basic needs, um, how do I raise people up to that level of equality? Well, the first step is I need to lower myself a little bit. And it's kind of the, the same thing that Jesus did, right? To raise us up, he lowered himself. He, he humbled himself. And so that's... The unique opportunity that, that I'm in, and I think a lot of Americans are in, well, we have the ability that we can lower ourselves and still be at that, uh, that level where God wants us to be, where we have still all of our needs met, where God is still blessing our life, and we have the, continue, uh, we have the ability to continue giving. I think it's important, too, to uh, emphasize the words that you use, that we can lower ourselves a little bit. Now, some people God calls to, you know, maybe a total life of poverty, to a total life of, you know, I have nothing. But at the same time, in this culture, for instance, in the United States and and in much of the world, especially when you're talking a capitalistic society, it takes money to earn money. And in order to be able to give money, you have to be able to get money. And so that doesn't mean that you constantly live in a constant state of poverty. Um, You know, if I were to just give everything away that I had, that would mean all of a sudden I would have no auto insurance and I couldn't drive my car and I couldn't get to work. You know, so um, there, there are different levels of 
poverty, if you want to call it. I know that, Steve, what you said is absolutely correct, that the the poorest people in the United States um, have more than a lot of people who would consider themselves rich in third world countries. But at the same time, just because of living in a capitalistic society, it actually takes more to be able to get those basic necessities. So when you're saying equality, I just want to stress, and I think that you had agreed with me um, when we talked about this before, is that that doesn't mean that everybody has the exact same amount. It just means that we have our necessities. And sometimes it might hurt us to not have quite as much as we would be comfortable with, and we have to give beyond what we'd be comfortable with giving. Right. I was thinking, too, that... uh we have to be very prayerful about how we can follow through with our gifts and our giving for its intended purpose. We have to have some kind of assurance that the, that the organization that we're giving to is in a position logistically to deliver the gifts to the ones um, that are in need. So we have a responsibility is what you're saying. Yeah. And, and I, I would th- just throw this out. You're very familiar with the New Testament church. In Acts 2.44 says all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need, which is, is wonderful. We don't do that today in a sense. We're, we're carrying out God's purpose almost on an individual basis. I don't know what your thoughts are on that or whether... It's a cultural thing or whether we should return to doing this kind of thing. I will point out that I've seen some churches do something that I think is very admirable. If somebody has a bunch of stuff in their garage rather than have a garage sale, they their church allowed them to list it and make it available to the people in the church who needed those kinds of things. You didn't need it. They were either going in the dump or they were going to be sold. But to get it in the hands of of people who need it, I think, is an important part on following through with our intent on giving to glorify God. And that brings up an interesting point, that Acts 2 passage, where if you're going to have a garage sale like that, first of all, you have to post, this is what I have, and then people have to be willing to come forward and say, this is what I need. And, And that's another problem in our culture, I think, is... So many times we're, we're kind of married to privacy, especially when it comes to our finances. Uh, and that's another thing I've been talking about in my class is, you know, I, I don't see anything Christian about keeping secrets like that. I think it's, it's part of humility to say, this is what I have. And, and this is a, a process we're going through. This is what I have. What all do you think? is the best way for me to love God with this, with the blessings that he's given me. And, and then that way, it's not just my decisions. It's I'm, I'm getting input from people that I trust. Um, and, and it's the same thing we see here in Acts, where people had fields, they had possessions, they would bring them. And, you know, there, there was no secrecy about it. There was no pride about it either. There was no... You know, look at me, I'm giving so much. They they applied the, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing in the sense of I'm giving this in all humility, you know. But I think that's 
that's one of the things that, that we need to look at is, well, where does our pride, where does our, um, our, our love of privacy cut us off in some ways from being the giving Christians that God wants us to be? Um, but as far as my own discernment, I've been thinking, okay, if I want to give to the point of being uh, challenged, if I want to really love God with my money, then I have to look at those luxuries that I have as an American, as a, as a person who can go out and work and make an income. What do I spend on myself? And do I need to be doing that? You know, do I need to um, have the money to go out and see a movie when I want to, when other people don't have the food that they need? And I would say that's, that's that part about equality, where I say, yeah, you know what? I really don't need to go do that. I don't need to go out to the restaurant. I don't need to have, um, you know, a subscription service for my entertainment. I just, I don't need it. That's not the best way for me to love God and other people. Now, I think that God wants to bless us. Uh, he does want us to enjoy life. You know, he, he doesn't want us to live that, that baseline because he doesn't want anyone to be there. But for me to love God and love other people, I have to lower myself to raise other people up. And this doesn't mean that, you know, God would never have anybody be able to not go out to eat ever or never go to a concert or a ball game or something. Um, Because I think that's part of the blessing. Sometimes in our capitalistic society, as I've said before, capitalism is capitalism. Everything costs money, you know, from, from you can't even get water out of your tap without it costing money. Um, and sometimes in order to, to make money, you have to be able to be well rested. And that includes recreation and that includes turning your mind off. And, and so I I just want to point out that it's not something that God is calling everybody to say, never go out to eat or never have that subscription to TV or, or whatever it might be. Uh, it could be that a subscription to TV, I remember cable TV used to always get a bad rep, and I realized, you know what, if I'm spending money on cable TV on a not expensive package, that's keeping me from going out and spending a whole lot more money on other things, and that this was actually glorifying to God, especially when I would watch the things on TV that kept me informed, kept me uh, knowledgeable about what was going on, for instance, in the world by watching news broadcasts that might not have been available back in, in those years um, before the 24-7 news cycle. Right. So, so let me clarify. I'm not saying you know, these are the things that, mm-hmm. that you have to give up or, or sacrifice or whatever. I'm saying ask the question. Right, right. You know, is this the best way that, that I can love God? Because I think that question might be answered differently for different people. Right, yeah. Yeah, I think we need to um, understand, kind of going back to uh, what was said earlier, how blessed we are in relation to the conditions of, of people around the world. And the Bible tells us that to whom much is given, much is required. And so if we recognized how blessed we are, then I think it's all the more important that we look to the leading of the Holy Spirit on our responsibility toward those blessings and sharing. Steve, I think you'd probably like to talk a lot a lot more on this, but we're just about getting out of time. Have we kind of covered what you wanted to talk about? Yeah. So 
here we are just about less than a minute to go. And Steve, I want to thank you for bringing up these difficult questions. I mean, they're difficult for us to answer, but I think that as Christians, it's important for each of us to try to discern what does God want from me? And you know what the hardest part is? What does God want from me doesn't necessarily mean that I have to first say, yes, God, but what do you want from Steve? Or what do you want from Mick? Or what do you want from somebody else? We need to ask God what he wants us to do with what he's given us. And we have just a few more uh, seconds here. I'd just like to thank you again, Steve. Steve Wilson, for leading this uh, program today. Mick Wells. This is Pete Vecchi, one of the associate pastors at West Carrollton Church of the Nazarene. I thank you for joining us today for Reconciling Grace. May God bless you. This has been Reconciling Grace. Join us again next time as our panel discusses biblical truths centered around the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ.